0: You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. This is Tom Selick. I'm a senior vice president of a bank. I used to be a lawyer. I like to make connections, and sometimes amazing things happen. That's what this podcast is about, when the magic happens. On today's episode, you will meet Adam Cuny, one of my best friends who is a co-founder of Higher Learning Technologies.
1: Uh, We went to him with an idea and sat down and asked him for $100,000. And he looked at us and he's like, you guys have no idea what you're doing. You want to start a software company. How about I give you seven and you come back and ask for more later? (laughs) And you showed up, Tom, and I believe you were only there about 10 minutes. Right. He walks in and, hey guys, this is this is my best friend dick ferguson he's the former chairman and ceo of act i gotta get going and all of a sudden all three of us are like what and tom kind of walked out and it's like oh boy (laughs) Um,
0: so stick around we'll be right back
1: this episode of tom's new best friend is brought to you by west bank A community bank since 1893, providing full-service banking and trust services to businesses and consumers. Nationally recognized by Raymond James as a top-performing community bank. Prioritizing community, responsive to local needs. West Bank, member FDIC.
0: Hello, this is Tom Selick. I'm doing my first podcast today. And I've got my special friend Adam Cuny. Um, so the theme is, um, I'm planning to interview my best friends. That's a moving target. You sure become my best friend, but then you're moved off. So I may have uh, 40 of these best friends over life, but Adam was my best friend once. So anyway, um, the title of today, I guess we might call it, is what did your mother say? (laughs) So we'll get back to that. Uh, in this podcast, I think there are, there are three goals we're trying to have here. First of all, we're hoping that, uh, you'll learn something about some people and the people in the region um uh, we hope you have some fun and uh we hope you can uh, by listening to this it'll make a difference in your life so that's sort of our goal so well let's get started um i guess i'll open it up to you tell us sort of uh maybe we start with what you do now and where you grew up Yes, and it's uh, great to be here,
1: Tom, and so great to know that at some point I will be your best friend, even if it's only for 15 <laughs> That's minutes. right. But at some point I qualified. Um, yeah, uh, so my name, again, Adam Cuny. I am the co-founder and now chief people officer at Higher Learning Technologies. I was born in, well, grew up in, born in Cedar Rapids, grew up in Marion, Iowa, uh, went to St. Joe's in Marion for my career. Uh, grade school years, and then I went to Xavier High School, graduated from there in 2005, then came to Iowa, studied business and entrepreneurship
0: uh, here in Iowa City. So um, the story, as I understand it, that um, you had at least two good friends, Alec Witters and Ben O'Connor, and somewhere in here, um, the three of you decided that maybe there was a better idea as far as how do you learn about taking tests and stuff, and you might tell us... Who started that idea and how it how it came to pass? You started this new company.
1: Yeah, so it's it's really the brainchild of Alec and just started out of uh, of pure frustration. Um, this was back in 2011. Around that time, uh, Alec Ben and I have known each other now oh, at least 17 years. <laughs> um, Alec and Ben actually went to grade school together too, so they've known each other even. Longer, um, But we all went to to Xavier together and went to Iowa as well. We actually lived together in in college too. So we've known each other really well for a long time, been best friends forever. Um, Yeah, Alec was studying, though, for the – he was at dental school at Iowa and was studying for his board exams, which is essentially the exams you take uh, after you go through all the years of undergrad, all the years of grad school. You've got these tests that decide if you get to become the dentist or not. It's called the NBDE, um, although that will be changing shortly. Um, but yeah, so he was studying for that and the number one tool used across the entire United States at the time was this, I believe it was four or $500 box of flashcards. So it just looks like a big, long rectangular box with about 1500 flashcards in it. And Alec was extremely frustrated, uh, because he took these things everywhere. This again is the most important test of his life and he needs to spend every free moment he has studying for it. And he just got tired of carrying around all these flashcards. They're they in were, his car. They're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, every time I saw him, there were flashcards in his car. They were in his apartment. They were literally falling out of his backpack. Um, and he was like, this is ridiculous. Why Why isn't there an app for this? Again, this is 2011. Um, smartphones weren't brand new. You know, I think the iPhone was released in 2008, I believe. Um, but... It had enough time had progressed where it's like, this should be possible. I can check Facebook. I can, you know, play games. Why can't I study for this really important test? So um, he came to, uh, you know, came to Ben and I and kind of mentioned it and and we were laughing. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to call the company that makes these flashcards. I'm going to tell them to make this. So Alec, um, you know, in college we had a sales gig together, so he was good at getting people on the phone. Um, And he he actually got the CEO of the company on the phone and said, hey, on behalf of dental students across the country, I would really, really like you to make this on an app so I don't have to carry around a bunch of flashcards. I can just use my phone, and I'm sure the phone can do far more than a piece of paper. Um, It was a dumb idea, is his response. (laughs) He said that phones, I believe it was phones are for games. They are not for learning and they, you know, are a distraction. And so Alec, he even tried calling a few other publishing companies. He didn't want to start a company. He just was really fed up with the way that that he had to to study for this extremely important exam. So he went, called some other publishing companies and got a pretty similar answer of like, yeah, great idea. But now we're not going to do that again. Phones are for games. You're not they're not an educational tool. So. He went, he went about trying to get um, some companies to help him. No one would. Came back to Ben and I was explaining it, and he said, you know what, I think I'm going to make this myself. Uh, I'm going to make an app for this, which is ironic when, you know, at the time I was uh, a business guy. Alec was in dental school. Ben was getting his doctorate in nursing from Iowa. So none of us have any background in technology whatsoever, um, but we wanted to make an app. So from there... Kind of uh, partnered up with the University of Iowa. Alec talked to a few of his professors and got their input on it. And and really, that's when we started putting it together. We outsourced development in a very, very painful way when you have no idea how software development works. And then because we didn't have any money between the three of us, we outsourced to China, India, Pakistan, Japan. I think there was a little bit... Um, but they were cheaper developers there, but, um, the quality was not very good. You get what you pay for in this world and we're paying, you know, a 10th of what a a fully trained engineer gets. You're not going to get a great piece of software, but it came out and we put the content in there and surprisingly that, that dental app started to sell and it was, uh, it was pretty exciting. You know, wow. Hey, people actually want to buy this. We weren't, um, you know, in the game changing mode when we released it, like, Oh, this is going to, you know, be a full-time job. Um, however, as we saw, there was a need for it. We did get to a point. I I specifically remember sitting at Alec and Ben's apartment and just talking like, okay, are, are we going to do this and kind of go all in? Or is this going to be a hobby? And we sat around and thought about it. And literally the next day, Ben walked or sorry, Alec walked into the, to the College of Dentistry and dropped out of dental school, Ben walked over to the, the College of Nursing and dropped out of their doctorate program and I put in my two weeks.
0: Okay, that's where you gotta stop. Okay, right. I, we got that. Now here, here's the question, how did you tell your parents what they say, who, <laughs> who went first? And the rumor once was that it was all your fault. So tell us if that's true or not true.
1: I would I would say that they they knew that um, especially Alex Alex's parents definitely knew that I had a big part in this having grown up together for so long. Um, my parents were a little bit shocked, but you know my dad's an entrepreneur, a lot of entrepreneurs in my family, so it's kind of like seems like a, a you know a, a good idea. We'll see how this pans out, and you can always get another job. But my mom immediately was like, "What about Alec? He's still only got one more year left in <laughs> yeah. dental school. Isn't he going to finish first? <laughs> I'm like, well, no, we, he already dropped out. Um, Alex's mom was, and both of his, uh, his parents, who have been extremely supportive, but at the time were like, as any mother and father of a student that is seven out of eight years through college and professional training, uh, why don't you just finish? Please, please stay and finish. And then, yes, she knew that I had had something to do with that, but she was <laughs> nervous, is a very, very, um, strong understatement. Sure. Um, a because, normal mother. Yeah, she yeah. just kept. You know, again, it, it makes sense to. Why don't you just do this one more year? Get your 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 official license to be a dentist, and then you can go do whatever you want because now you've got that license. Sure. But
0: how about sibling, how about parents?
1: Um, I, I think they were nervous as well, yeah. but again, um, they weren't they weren't thrilled about it. <laughs> Alex's mom and dad were were nervous. They're just nervous. I mean, literally, they sat and went none of you know anything about software or engineering and you're going to start a software company where both of you almost finished graduate school in the healthcare fields. And both Alec's parents are, are great doctors. And it was, so it's just one of those, like, this just seems a bit impulsive and <laughs> you know, uh, from our entire lives, anybody knows us, uh, Alec, Ben and I, especially Alec and I are risk takers. It's just kind of in our, in our blood. And sure. so, um, they were extremely nervous, and they were not thrilled by any means when we first did it. But you know, they've been incredibly supportive um, uh, ever since. After that initial shock phase, if you will, like like you said, any good mother's oh, yeah. going to sit and say, "Really, R- this this is it? This is what you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna start an app? Okay."
0: Well, I've got granddaughters who are 19 and 17. I think I can imagine if they called their mother, my daughter, and said, "Gee, we want to drop out and start a." an app, app business that you know, you know she'd have a heart attack but <laughs> anyway so this is 2012 is that's when this is sort of yeah sort of and then did did you get an office um
1: not exactly well kind of um we started off just in their apartment and and my house and eventually we got into the um to a, a Fairly poorly named building. It's the Technology Innovation Center out in the Research Park in Coralville. Um The building, I believe, was built in like 1928. Oh, by Oakdale there. Yep, out in the Oakdale campus. I remember that's, uh, that's
0: an old building. It,
1: it It's the most perfect building for a young startup. It is the exact opposite of flashy. Uh, I actually think they've closed it down now because it's so old. Um, but it was, you know, old building. I think at one point it was a... T- Tuberculosis word yeah, for I think nurses? that's true. The um, TVs, yep. And so you got you know, these tiny little room, cheap rent, nothing flashy from furniture or anything like that. But they had incredibly fast Internet there because of the fact that it's linked into the research park. So, you know, 500 megabytes a second easily for Internet speeds. And when you're talking about starting a tech company, that's that's really the most important thing for us is do we have a strong Internet connection? And I guess we got a place to put a computer good enough for me. So the, th- the three of you worked there to start. Absolutely, yeah. It was just uh, myself, uh, Ben, and Alec. Uh, Alec had recruited a couple of friends who were in dental school to kind of help us a bit uh, as well. They came on early when they were helping with some of the dental content. Um, it's, it's pretty um, robust content. Like, like myself, I, I can't even understand it, to be completely honest. So we did need some of the expertise in that field. But also having the, the University of Iowa's dental school Uh, on board was definitely So you had to write questions and answers, is that the idea? Questions, answers, rationales, um, and we put some images in there as well to help explain things. Um, So it was uh, a big learning process, but again we found from those early sales we knew we were onto something, that if we could make this ugly app that kind of worked and it was selling, that there was clearly a need. How'd you sell it? How, How do you get the market? Uh, you put it. You learn a lot. We put it in the App Store. It started off on iOS and the Apple App Store, and um, there's some processes and checklists you go through to get it uploaded. Apple then reviews the code base and everything, and poof, they put it in there. And then uh, we immediately started working on ASO, which is uh, known as App Store Optimization, so that when people would search for dental boards or the name of the test, NBDE, we would be the first app that that came to the top of the list. Just like
0: SEO on Google, this is specific for the app store. Amazing. So how many, like I I, my notes say in 2012, you had one product Mm -hmm. and 32,000 practice questions, but things sort of ramped up from there, right?
1: It was, yeah, we had, uh, in 2012, we had,
0: um, yeah, we had the,
1: just the dental app. We started working on the nursing one. So it, you know, when we saw that initial traction, Ben had taken the equivalent in the nursing world, which is called the NCLEX, and it's their licensure exam. And we said, well, could we take this same kind of software platform we built and just put different content in it for nursing and see if it works for the NCLEX? Um, so that's what we did. Again, Ben went and met with some of his professors, um, got, a, got some help from the University of Iowa's nursing program, um, and just spent a lot of time. I mean that that process, that content curation process, for just Ben and Alec in the beginning, early days. I mean, it was Ben locked himself in the basement for twelve hours on end. It was. I think it's still known as the lost summer to Ben, where it was just <laughs> sitting in a dark room, reviewing item after item, uh, and checking everything and making sure not just the items were factually correct, but when you uploaded them into our our platform at that point. They wouldn't necessarily display right, where there'd be the 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 words would be all over the screen, or the buttons wouldn't quite work. So once you had all the content in, you know, technically sound terms, now it's okay. Does it display correctly in the app? Or when I push this button, does it crash?
0: I gotta ask you. I'm a banker, as you know. What do you do for money?
1: Oh money um, originally we <laughs> but you had we used sales what, I guess right yeah we had a little bit of sales but not <clears throat> nearly enough to really get it off the ground. We um, I had a little bit uh, of money and honestly credit cards that I had uh, after I graduated. <laughs> um, so we put some on there. Uh, ben had a little bit Alec used what little student loan money he had and then um, I think the first time the first person we approached was my my older brother Chad. Uh, We went to him with an idea and sat down and asked him for $100,000. And he looked at us and he's like, you guys have no idea what you're doing. You want to start a software company. How about I give you seven and you come back and ask for more later? (laughs) Which looking back on it, honestly, was probably the best thing that could have happened because I can't even begin to imagine if you would have given us $100,000 what we would have done because Mm -hmm. we just didn't know enough about business, especially around software development um, we made a lot of uh, dumb mistakes in the early days with software, and before we brought on some uh, more formal local engineers that could actually help us with things.
0: Okay, well, now I know uh, at one point I um, Dick Ferguson, who was, was my friend, I told him that I'd met you guys and that he should meet you to see what you're doing. So, tell us the, um, the Dick Ferguson story and how it involves. <laughs> This is one of and, and who, who who Dick is?
1: Yeah, and so this is one of my favorite stories to tell, uh, because Tom was the one I I can't even remember how I it was some networking event that I met you Tom, and we'd only spoken probably what three or four times before you introduced us, but I remember getting an email from you that said, "Hey Adam, Tom Seely from West Bank. I want to introduce you to one of my best friends, Dick Ferguson." <laughs> No, actually sorry, you didn't even tell me his name. You just said I want to introduce you to one of my friends. And so I turned around in the office, it was a very small office at the time, and I looked at Ben and Alec and I'm just like, Hey guys, this this really nice guy, he's a banker at West Bank, uh, wants us to meet someone and we're all like, I wonder what he's trying to sell us. Does he know we not have <laughs> we don't have any money? Like, I don't know what and so we're like, Okay, you know, happy to take the meeting and, and we at that point, um, there were a lot of people and it's something i always uh, f- feel bad for for startups is they get approached by a lot of people selling them services and things and as a young business person without a lot of experience you have no idea what you need or don't need and better or even worse you don't know how to tell what that person's trying to get so for me it was you know is he trying to sell something what is it whatever we'll take the meeting and you showed up tom and i believe you were only there about 10 minutes right he walks yep. in mm-hmm. And hey, guys, this is uh, this is my best friend, Dick Ferguson. He's the former chairman and CEO of ACT. I got to get going. And all of a sudden, all three of us are like, what? <laughs> and Tom kind of walked out and it's like, oh, boy. <laughs> um, so obviously, we we're all three like you're starting an education company and the former chairman and CEO of one of the most successful education companies in the world just walked in your door. Obviously, you get nervous right away. Um, but Dick was, you know, very laid back. We sat down. I think we talked for hour, yeah, hours, hour or yeah. two hours, somewhere in there. Um, and eventually, Dick had agreed. And this is before we had a lot of any press or awards. We had just kind of started rolling the apps out, and we had just started to see some revenue flowing in. Um, but Dick basically said, you know, I- I'm-, I'm considering investing, but if I invest, I do ask to have a board seat. And we came right back with him and said, how about instead of a board seat, we actually make you chairman because we don't even know how to run a board of directors. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, kudos to you, Tom. I mean, that was literally a game changing moment um, in our company's history because we went from, uh, you know, three college dropouts, essentially, to uh, real credibility because mm-hmm. before it's they're making some stupid app and it went from they're making some stupid app to they're making something that has now caught the interest of a guy that helped build ACT into the company that it that it is today.
0: Well, I, I do agree Dick was helpful, but what Dick did, he opened the doors. You guys still had to go meet the people, make the sales, build their relationship. So, you know, absolutely, that's, that's yep. he became a team as I see it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was, and to this day is still probably one of our most engaged mentors in HLT history, because, you know, when we first brought him on, we would meet with people that are like, oh, yeah, Dick Ferguson, I'm sure he's on your board. I bet you guys talk to him, what, once every four or five months. I'm like, Dick was willing. Like, <laughs> he's picking up the phone. He's calling you. He's stopping out at the office. Yeah. Um, And it's great for us because, again, we had no experience in anything in this space when we started trying to prepare these these kind of grown-up things like, you know, putting together board meeting and minutes and things like that where we, you know, at the time, again, none of us had ran a company. We Googled, oh, this is how you do board meeting minutes and this is how you structure a board meeting. Dick coming out and being like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, we don't do this, you know, with a couple bullet points and things. These are well thought out. Uh, You know, you need to have a certain way of doing these things to take us and bridge that gap from, again, three guys with an idea to if i'm going to join you we're going to we're going to make this into a real company and uh, that experience and that mentorship is invaluable because until you've done it you just you can't really understand sure. how to run a board meeting until but you've, you've done
0: it more board members tell us about some people that bruce Lerman. these people have helped you and Al ruffalo
1: yeah um i mean that's that's something i loved about this area and, and getting into ed tech is um out in uh, San Francisco for example it's real easy to get lost in the noise there's a new startup every 15 minutes out there versus Iowa um, y- you have access to some really great people so uh, one of the very first mentors after Dick that we had was Bruce Lehrman from Involta you know Bruce has again been a great sounding board for us and just like oh, guys don't know you're not don't do it that way and again you just you don't know what you don't know so so bring Bruce from Involta somebody who's built and scaled a company sure. and, and can understand the things we're going through, not just from a, um, I think what was very different from him and Dick is Dick came into ACT when it had already kind of been up and running and obviously Dick grew it to an, at an incredible rate, but, um, Bruce has started a yeah. business with nothing. And so really going from that, you know, absolutely nothing to Volta and the other companies he had. So, uh, yeah, Bruce was incredible. Um, Al Ruffalo from uh, Ruffalo Cody or now Ruffalo Noel Levitt's great in the education space, well known. And again, some great mentors. He built his own company and able to kind of help us avoid pitfalls. Um, Punkaj, at Channel Fusion in Hiawatha Punkaj has been uh, awesome. He's a recent addition to the board. um, But again, he brings more of the marketing side of things. Channel Fusion's a a company that specializes in marketing. And so he brings a very unique and, and different perspective, uh, and then Jeff Benjamin uh, out in uh, New York, he's uh, one of the main backers behind I'm On, but Jeff uh, has a background in Wall Street, he's uh, out there now, but um, really, really smart guy and access to some people that, you know, at the time we had no right getting to speak to um, because they're, they're so successful. So tapping into all of them and really using them as uh, crux for not from just a how to run the day-to-day, but how to get our heads out of the weeds and say, are you guys looking six to 12 months down the road? What are you thinking about? Hey, this, you know, all the different pitfalls with raising money. And, you know, again, you're growing a company as fast as we did. There's a lot of opportunities to do dumb things and having them around to say, you know, hey, Bruce, how did you handle this? Hey, Al, how would you do this? Uh, Invaluable. And I think that's something unique to the corridor areas. There are some really
0: smart people here Mm
1: -hmm. that you can tap into uh, if you do it right.
0: As I know at the beginning, you, um, you used to get some awards. Tell us of the brief history of all this. The, you got some state awards, local awards, regional awards, national awards. Tell us a, you know, a summary of that.
1: Yeah, so um, plug to the CBJ. We've we've won there, I think, 2015. We were the coolest company to work for in the corridor. But, um, you know, every year we've won it at one of the coolest companies in the corridor to work for. Um, we've put a big emphasis on our culture. Um, so we won that locally. Um, as well as uh, Silicon Prairie is a regional award. Uh, I think we've won one there for Mobile App of the Year, uh, Breakout Company of the Year, uh, and a a few others from there. The Technology Association of Iowa, we've won several awards from there, including um, Best Technology Company uh, in the Small to Medium category um, in Mobile App of the Year, I believe, there. And then the national ones that we're really proud of because we've kind of grown to that level is entrepreneur magazine for the last two years in a row has rated us as a top 20 place to work in the U S for small to medium businesses. So that's again, what I loved about that, that award and the CVJ is the same way is that is a, you know, not just submit an application and have a board review it. They, send an email and surveys out to every single one of your employees and they have to respond to those surveys and rank you. So there's not, you know, you've got to have a good culture. There's no way of faking your way through that when I've got, you know, almost 50 people that are filling it out and you're kind of sitting there like, do they really like me as much as
0: I think they do? Or are they just (laughs)
1: lying to me?
0: Well, I'll tell you, then Forbes gave those awards for the 30 under 30 that, I guess, Alec sort of yep. got, but really it was yep. a recognition of your company, right? Absolutely,
1: yeah. Alec was placed on that, that list, and that was another huge one for us as well, just kind of showing, again, the legitimacy and bringing it back to, to the state of Iowa and saying, like, hey, you know, don't overlook us. That happens a lot when we're traveling out to the coast, San Francisco or, or Manhattan. You can often get that look like, oh, you've got to start up in Iowa. Hmm. What's there? Is right. That, that's the the potato state. And it's like no, no. That's Idaho. Get your stereotypes correct if you're gonna if you're gonna use them.
0: Okay. You started with the three of you. You've got employees here and elsewhere. Tell us about how that works. Your local employees and your remote employees.
1: Yeah, we're at about a 75-25 percent split. 75 percent of our employees are here in the corridor, we're right around 50 employees, uh, and 25 percent work remote. Um, most of our remote employees are centered around. Um, software engineers or design. Uh, And then we do have a a couple of subject matter experts as well. But, you know, finding good talent, especially in today's job market is extremely difficult. I mean, it's, you look at the unemployment rate, the opportunities out there. So for us, you know, we love having everyone in the office, but we also realize, you know, depending on the job, you can work just as well from home as you can from in the office. And there's definitely a, a lot of work that has to go into bridging the communication gap, You know, one of our engineers is in Costa Rica. So talking with him and making sure how do we keep him engaged? How do we make sure he gets to know what's going on in the company? Um, And we do that by we fly him out once a year. We take a, a full week that we fly every one of the remotes to the home office. And it's a full week of. Yeah, there's some work that gets done. We definitely knock out some projects, but it's mostly for bonding and, and making sure. people feel that sense of ownership and pride around educating all these different students. I
0: probably should mention Ron Meyer in his role because uh, he, uh, he's your operating guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ron uh, Ron is amazing. He was came on. Uh, he's one of our most tenured employees, him and Justin. Um, he was this, I remember Mark Nolte introduced me to him and said, I've got this, you know, he's a substitute teacher over at Regina. And I'm like, what? because I was asking him about, <laughs> can you introduce me to some people <laughs> with business backgrounds and yeah. things? And then as soon as you get on the phone, Ron is incredibly humble and he he just hates any form of recognition. He's just the most Iowa guy ever. Um, and you go through his background. It's like, okay, wait a second. You you were part of a company that you grew and took to an IPO. You can worked with Anderson Consulting, which is not a major company. You understand technology so well. And I think, honestly, we didn't even you know, Ron didn't even ask for pay. I don't think for two weeks because <laughs> it, it was like one of those, we don't know exactly we didn't have a job description. Sure. We didn't have, it was like, uh, I don't know. We haven't done this before. What do you think? And Ron just literally showed up with the laptop, sat down and, and started. I think the first thing he rolled out was part of our CRM and dealing with customer service, uh, from his background. But Incredible guy, so smart, um, and is a great leader. Everybody on the team, Ron pushes, everybody's got a competitive spirit to him, but he really pushes everyone on the team.
0: Well, tell us about uh, Governor Reynolds' relationship there, how she has become your friend and you help her, uh, how that relationship is now, where it's going.
1: Yeah, it's again, I think it's a unique advantage to being in Iowa, where as a young startup, we had raised a little bit of funding. Um, But, you know, you're always, especially in tech, you're always looking for additional capital. And I can't remember how we got connected to the governor exactly. I think it might actually have been uh, David Tominsky up in NuboCo. But we had one meeting, and, you know, I thought it was going to be much, you know, kind of standard, shake your hands, thanks for coming, great to meet you. But she really sat down and said, like, well, how can I help? What can we do? And uh, we we were just kind of going through some of the business stuff and, Things And she goes, well, have you applied for the IEDA funds? And we're like, well, what's that? She said, like, let me talk to Debbie. we got <laughs> to right. get you guys some funding. And, you know, the state's got some great programs for young companies that are growing. Um, and I think to date we've got around a half million dollars from the state. Um, we're, we're a great example of how it can help of the state loans us that money. We've already paid one of the two loans back in full with interest. Um, and now, you know, from that uh, one meeting, you know, I meet with the governor Fairly regularly, she's she's honestly interested in checking in on us, how things are going, Um, and then she's also, um, you know, her and uh, Debbie have both Durham Director Durham from the IEDA have gotten uh, us more involved in bringing in. I'm part of the Iowa Innovation Council now, as well as uh, through that working on the EdTech initiative on behalf of the state, which we're we're really excited about.
0: That's great. So your long-term relationship there, hopefully, huh?
1: Yeah, like I said, she's there's there's very few. uh, people especially when we're that young and early stage of a company where it's like so I should just you know shoot you an email or text you and you'll just get back to and yep no problem yep Adam I'll have uh, my my team get back to you and we'll schedule a time and drive to Des Moines and, and sit down with her and again you can just tell she's not just doing lip service and saying you know oh we're so proud of you go get them it's how can I help every time I go to her office how can I help and so you know Anytime you've got that type of support from somebody that high up in the state, it's it's incredible, especially early stages in growing a company.
0: Okay, a few more questions. Um, let's look at two or three years. Where will HLT be? Where will you be? What's your expectation?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, we're excited as ever. Um, September was our highest uh, grossing sales month in company history, and we continue to grow um I think for us, it's really how many more people can we impact? So we really, really have done a great job, especially in the health sciences area, uh, specifically dental and nursing, uh, of finding product market fit and helping these uh, nurses and dentists pass their boards. But we spend a lot of time talking to our users and it quickly became apparent that, you know, they used our products while they were in school and then to pass their their tests, but now they're in the workforce saying, I, I could still use your help. Do you guys have an app for this? Do you have an app for that? Do you have a... And so we started doing some of the advanced certifications and then now we're working on our lifelong learning pat- uh, platform, My, My Nursing Mastery. And it's a product that we're so excited for because it allows us to take some of the gaps that you necessarily don't get filled when you're leaving nursing school or dental school um, and and teaching these new nurses and new dentists the thing they need to learn. So we're going to be partnering with the University of Iowa Hospitals and as well as um, the College of Nursing. We're working on getting a much more uh, elaborate partnership with them to help take some of this great material and content from an incredible learning institution and a highly ranked nursing college and bring that in saying, okay, so what can we do next? What are these early nurses missing that they didn't get in in school and how can we help bridge that gap and we've done some beta testing and and rolled it out and it's already had some great results so so really our our long-term picture is moving further out to the point where we're in that person's mind and they're using us from the time they enter college till the time they retire we're going to be that that trusted educational source
0: well, good. Let's talk about you personally. I know. Well, one thing about HLT is that you've been a key person in connecting with people across the country and making sales. And some of my friends who are investors say you're sort of the the key to that. But how do you uh, maintain a work life balance? How do you do you, um, travel? Are you, are you a Hawkeye fan, or what's uh, what's what, what are your hobbies?
1: Yeah, uh, diehard Hawkeye fan. Grew up here. Went to college here. Um, Work-life balance. Uh, I think I'm good at it. If you ask my girlfriend, she'll probably tell you differently. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, she she's great. She's a ENT resident, so they have pretty hectic schedules as well. So we're both working a lot. Um, I would say myself, a lot of my passion is around travel. I've traveled to quite a few different countries, um, but it's something, especially earlier on in a company. I think it's something people need to be aware of when when you're starting a company especially when you take outside investors i try and preach this to a lot of young startups is the moment you take someone else's money for your business it goes to a different level because sure. you've got people you they have entrusted you with their hard earned money and you know them exactly and you and i you know them personally they all have my cell phone number if they don't like something i'm doing it's very easy to find me so <laughs> Um, you know, really taking that, not as like, oh cool, we raised, at this point we've raised about $20 million, but to sit and be like, oh cool, look at how much money we raised, it's oh no, there's a lot of people that are counting on you. From the investment standpoint, you've got people at the state who have loaned us money, and then all the families and folks that that work with us. I mean, it's it's a big deal. So when you go to take that outside capital, you are going to have to make short-term sacrifices, meaning you know you don't get to go on quite as many trips. I don't think I took a vacation the first four years I was working at HLT, so um, and that's definitely changed now. But um, you know, I, sure, I enjoy doing that. I, I give back. Um, I'm part of the the local Iowa City Chamber of Commerce Board. Um, I'm on the advisory board for the John Papa John Entrepreneurial Center at the University of Iowa. As well as, uh, as I mentioned before, I'm part of the Iowa Innovation Council, and now I'm co-chairing the EdTech initiative um, through the IEDA.
0: That's great. If someone wants to learn more about higher learning technologies, how do they go about that?
1: Yeah, we are hiring a lot, so we'd love to have people come in and apply for tons of different positions. Uh, our website is hltcorp.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. Just search higher learning technologies, uh, as well as we've got a pretty, pretty dope little instagram account so that way you can come there and see all the cool stuff we do and, and kind of get a vibe for our culture
0: well let uh, here's i guess my final question uh, what advice would you give somebody who was i don't know thinking about so they changed careers a business what sort of what's your what's your instincts call tom selick
1: immediately <laughs> he has the answer we to that lucky on that one that you call that. tom selick no uh honestly but that that is part of it it's it's uh, get your name out there and uh, mm-hmm. honestly really understand um, your market. I think as one, talk to your customers constantly. I think too many people try and raise money and want to scale as fast as possible before they've figured out if they've got product market fit, they have something people are willing to pay for. Um, and be be humble. The the world is really good at humbling you. So no matter how good you think you're doing or how great your product is, y- you constantly got to stay humble, stay hungry, willing to learn. So um, but yeah, get yourself out there. Find yourself at Tom Selick. Uh You know, Tom's Tom's got some more time
0: now, don't you? you can oh, yeah. come I hang out. Want to talk. We love hanging talk, out people. with uh, the young guns as he'll sometimes call us. Oh yeah, no, I've learned a lot uh, observing this and meeting people. So and you become our friends too. Well, good. Well, that's a great story. So let um, we'll keep track of you. And maybe we'll have you come back and uh, tell the rest of the story down the road. Thanks for coming. Absolutely.
1: Thank you for having me, Tom. Really appreciate it. Tom's new best friend is brought to you by West Bank. This Corridor Business Journal podcast is produced by Joe Coffee of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.